Can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. A lot of people have said there are people now dying of the swine flu who are in good health. By whose standards? Hospitals serve Jello. Robert Scott Bell. Food advertising. You know the people. Fresh, natural, hearty, old-fashioned, homemade goodness in a can. <laughs> Robert Scott Robert Bell. Scott Bell. Scott Bell. Dr. Agus argues that the fountain of youth is obtainable if everyone were to take statin drugs. Excuse me? It sounds completely, completely insane. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. All right. Oh, welcome, everybody. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. It is a found weekend. What do I mean by that? Well, I should be right now in Florida at a major conference with uh, Drs. Terry and Stu Warner at the Wellness Parenting Revolution. And it turns out, well, the, the hurricane had other plans. So a lot of the people that were from South Florida couldn't make it. There's a lot of things going on down there. So they postponed that for early January. Oh, my gosh, the horror. I'm going to have to go back to Florida in early January. Now, my buddy sitting to my left, Laban Ditchburg, doesn't know what January in Florida means because normally when it's January, it's midsummer because he's down under New Zealand and Australia. It's Laban Ditchburn, the world's greatest, best courage coach. Well, <laughs> Laban. Ah, Robin Scott Bell, always, always a, a dream to be next to you. And, and uh, what a wonderful event we're at today. But I, yeah. I was, what, in answer to your question, is it going to be a white Christmas in Florida? Never. Not unless you see soap bubbles flowing down from, from above. That's the only way they can <laughs> do that. Mardi Gras celebration. Mm-hmm. I am so looking forward to my first white Christmas. Yeah, well, it looks like you're in a, a place with the mountains and the snow. You're going to have it. So I'm excited for you. So we are at, uh, again, this is what I say about a, a bonus day or a bonus weekend. It's like God gave me an extra day that I didn't know I would have because, you know, I was supposed to be in Florida for that big conference. I was there for half the week and, and had a great time with our friends at Natural Immunogenics and and then Chamberlain's Health Food Store got some reunions with great friends like Casey Krejci, my buddy, Dr. Mark Chait and others. And then the weekend was off. And, and so there was a conference called Your Health Freedom Utah, Kristen Chevrier, who we've had on this show. And usually I try to attend every year and it's wonderful. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Kristen, I can't be there this year. And uh, I'm going to be in Florida. And it's like, okay. And then it turns out, well, that got postponed. So I'm in, I'm at the Your Health Freedom uh, Utah conference with my buddy Laban. And uh, you've met some cool people already today. There is some amazing calibrated high vibrational human beings in this place. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever, if you're ever feeling alone or you're despondent, make, make an excuse to get to an environment like this or get to an event like this mm-hmm. because it really will level you up and lift that soul of yours up into mm-hmm. the stratosphere, I think. Well, isn't that the, the thing about, uh, the, the opposite of what we experienced? And you were in lockdown central in Australia for a while and you told me some stories about that. Uh, it is, and, and I apologize because I haven't gotten through your book, but did you talk about some of the experiences in Australia as well uh, during lockdown or was that before or after the, the book? No, the book was really for the for three years, up until three years ago. Yeah, so Bet, Bet on You is the name of the book by Laban Ditchburn. Bet on You. So we'll, yeah. uh, it'll have to be in the next book, yeah. which is yet to be titled. Maybe Bet on You too. I yes, know. I like it. Uh, but it was... It's hard to complain about it, Rob, because mm. it was really a powerful moment in my life. Like it forced me to create my show, my podcast. It forced me to write the book. Mm. It forced me 
into my entrepreneurial journey a year earlier than I anticipated. Yeah. So as as challenging as it was, don't get me wrong. We're in, you know, we had martial law and curfews and three mile radiuses in which we were, had to stay within yeah, the, the Australian gulag. I mean, it was incredible, <laughs> right? Masks outside, outside, yeah. outside, yeah. and. Uh, so despite all the adversity, and it was very challenging, I'm very grateful that, that it happened in the way that it did. So that's Well, it drove you to do the things you're doing now, to get out of there uh, and, and to be here uh, with us now and, and do uh, you know the incredible journeys, the wonderful adventures that we're on. And that's why I say about this day is so special to me because it was a day that I didn't plan I would have. It would have been a completely – now, I'd have had a great time wherever I am. That's not the, not the point. But the point is I'm here. We're here for a reason and uh, meeting some really cool people. I know Del Bigtree speaking at this event. I'm here with the Health Independence Alliance as well. Uh, Eric Mutsos, who you just met as well. Kevin Tuttle, our good buddy, is here with Scott Shera talking amazing, about those yeah. stories and updates. And My things. amazing grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our amazing grace. And, and you know, Grace Shera, who was uh, Down syndrome, uh, was killed in a hospital just about a year ago now. Uh, in Wisconsin, and we told that story. And then uh, my friend Irene, who you met, Irene, of course, her husband went into the hospital just about this time, right after Grace had died. Not related, except just in, in, in a calendar sense. And and the killing fields of these hospitals have become, uh, let's say, more overtly in everybody's face to recognize the things I've been warning people about for years here. And so, as we come out of that dark time. You know, it, it, we're not guaranteed to have this time forever where we can come together or we can travel so easily. I'd like to think that that would be the case, but there are a lot of people that live in fear on this planet, Laban. And you, as the world's best courage coach, know that and running and seeing patterns emerge and how people sabotage themselves, much less live in that fear. So the vulnerability, not necessarily that I have or that you have, although I, I'm humble enough to recognize I'm afraid of stuff. There's some things I can go, oh, I'm afraid of that. Uh, but the reality is, there are so many others that live on this planet we share the planet with that no matter what we try to do, we might not be able to reach them because it's a choice they have to make. You know, we're not here to pound them into submission. That's not our goal or role. Uh, so the journey that we're on is, is quite wide and varied. But at the same time, in the midst of a lot of trauma, tragedy, even downturns of the economy, there are people that do very well, become very successful, become very abundant. And I want to speak and appeal to that experience moving forward, realizing, yes, there's going to be a lot of like you're like well, are we on the same planet but that's always been the case it's just more in our face well fear is contagious right but you know the great so news courage right courage is contagious too and and this might be beneficial to someone out there where do i start with this stuff right well it starts with us it starts with you and the more courageous that you can be in your own being you will inspire other people and it will multiply in a way that you can't even quantify at this point. And it, we don't really need to know the mechanics or the mathematics of it. But I've, and I've witnessed this in my own life and I've seen this, you know, and been blessed enough to be around you long enough as well, Rob. Start with you and, and spread the contagion of courage. All right. Because when you're feeling courageous, you're not feeling that very fearful. I like that. I like the, I just see, I'm writing this down as I'm taking notes here. Courageous is contagious. Courageous is going to, just like fear is contagious, which doesn't rhyme, but it's true. It is too. But courageous, being courageous is contagious. I think you might have just found the, the title for my next book. Or did I, I like steal it. your book title? <laughs> You're welcome to use it. Like I said, I, I don't I don't claim ownership over the power to heal is yours. Although it's nice when people say, I heard about it from Robert Scott Bell, but it's okay. <laughs> but courageous, being courageous is contagious. And that is something that 
if we want to have, a, a, let's say, a powerful positive influence, we know if we hang around fearful people long enough, we can be falling into that same trap of their fearful emotions and things. At the same time, when we're around people that have courage, like people hanging out with you, it suddenly feel like they walk a little bit taller, right? And that's kind of the, that courageous, uh, contagious that I, I'm thinking about here. And so choose your media wisely. Choose the people you hang out with wisely because they, as much as you want to have an impact on them, if they're dragging you down because of their fearful state of being, um, you can withstand that for a while if you have really, really adept and what, what I'd say um, disciplined practices. You know, I'm not saying you can't go into those environments and still be okay, but the longer you're there, the harder you'll be challenged to maintain that high level of courageousness. Does that make sense? Well, I, I think that this the reason I've been so successful in my, my journey and this, this courage journey, Rob, is I've become ruthless at who I allow in my circle of influence. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we talk about this a lot, but you, you, have to, you have to become ruthless, even if it's for a period of time where you do not allow people, including family members into your life, that mm-hmm. do not serve us well. Yeah, because you you cannot carry everyone. You got to look after yourself first and foremost. That's my that's my. Opinion. So there's a positive aspect to being canceled. It's like I didn't want to hang out with you anyway, <laughs> right? You were you were bringing me down. Now again, you don't have to rub it in, but it, there is. I acknowledge a discord that's not doesn't feel so happy per se, right? When we're like, oh my gosh, but that's my friend, that's my loved one, that's my family member, and they canceled me. Uh, but at the same time, it could be a, a, a blessing, I believe, in disguise. That is, is giving you an opportunity to remove yourself from an environment that was dragging you down, bringing you down, keeping you in a state of consciousness that no longer suited you, like an old piece of clothing, at, you know, after you've lost 150 pounds or something. And it's like, well, this doesn't fit. Why would I try to fit into that again? This right. is not you anymore. And the great thing about a block button is that you can unblock mm. and you can be unblocked. And, and what I found, Rob, is that with time now, family members and friends are starting to circle back around and come back into my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, they were bad people at all. It's just, we were different. Sure. And that's, that's one of the more gratifying moments of this when they, they knock on the door and they say, Hey, you know, they won't even like a post or comment, but they'll say, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm proud of you or, or I love mm, what nice, you're doing. Nice. And, and that can take some time, but it's that, Boundary setting. Boundary mm-hmm. settings are really important, all parts of life. But mm-hmm. with the boundary setting, you allow people the space to maybe reflect about mm-hmm. how they were react, they were acting, and then they can they can uh, rationalize and come back around. Okay, I got a question that just came to mind as you're saying that. Shoot, uh, you know the people that will say, "Hey, I'm proud of you," right? At the same time, they may be doing it quietly behind the scenes for whatever reason. What about the blokes using a term that you would use? Your blokes that give you crap, and and I say this from a a, a, a fun banter sort of way how can you tell the difference between that kind of giving you crap keeping keeping your your ego in check versus really trying to degrade you and bring you down because i'm a guy that'll throw out things and and have fun and just be silly about that stuff and it's not at least meaning to be a negative talk or a negative self-talk like people that would throw barbs at you to knock you down to size versus the joy of blokes that just kind of riff on each other rib rib each other does that make sense it, it may be a maybe a hard a- question to answer but it just occurred to me here's my opinion on this rob i yeah. i've been very self-disciplined by eliminating all negative self-talk out of my life mm-hmm. and as a result not one thousand percent perfect but i'm mm-hmm. pretty damn pretty damn good yeah i don't do it to others mm-hmm. there's always truth and humor yeah that's that's what i believe and whether people realize they're doing it or not, I'm 
I'm maybe a little bit more sensitive. And initially as well, I just, it was easy for me just to, to cut them off. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm confident enough in my own ability and self-assured enough now where maybe I can handle it better, but it doesn't happen to me very okay. much. Right? But, but they know, they know not to, to push that boundary. Right. But the question is again, and it, it, it may be a Jedi master question of like, how do you navigate people that aren't necessarily trying to bring you down, but it's like old patterns when you were mates, when you were kids and you'd rib on each other, rip on each other. You know, when is that just fun banner and when could that contribute to a negative self-image, for instance? We'll be back with the world's best courage coach, Laban Ditchburn, and my buddy here at the Your Health Freedom Utah uh, Conference. And, uh, well, after this, you're on the Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world to the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show back at it here robertscottbell.com is the website right it's easy to get there and you can text my initials rsb to 22828 text rsb to the numbers 22828 so you enter i have to do this really clearly because i tried this the other day in florida and they were like what text rsb 22828 no 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 22828 is the text number enter that then you enter in the text box where you write in whatever rsb boom and then right back you'll get a message hey enter your email address that's as simple as it is and you can be part of the newsletter that super don sends out about six days a week really great stuff including poll questions of the day and fun things like that and uh probably a little bit about laban today in the newsletter so there we go bless you, super don. yeah God he's amazing <laughs> absolutely amazing so the idea again of uh establishing i guess a consciousness crew Right, a, a crew of people, and new friendships, new family members, maybe not blood related, and this is where we've all been. Uh, well, many of us anyway, in the last couple of years, where we've been forced to realize that the people we thought were on our similar consciousness level, and this is not about judgment, better or smarter or dumber. That's not it. About a vibration, an energy that you're drawn to, that is uplifting to you rather than degrading to you, one that brings you down. You know, you feel like oh, I'm sapped of energy versus being around people that are like, oh, man. I'm so great. Let's go. Let's go run to the top of the mountain. Even if you you can't yet, you're like, I feel like I could. That's a feeling that I would crave. And I'm finding people and find people to be in your sphere that make you feel like that. Well, I'm going to throw it back to you because I think it's a, it's a brilliant question, a challenging one. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when someone takes a shot at you that maybe you don't know super well mm-hmm. and doesn't know all your story mm-hmm. and says something that you like? That had a bit of that had a bit of punch to it, but a sting. How does that make you feel? Yeah, well, I just punch him in the nose. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, for the most part, um, because I had I had this initial starting point years ago, and I have these these very visceral memories of going. Well, I was in Georgia at the time in my early homeopathic career, where I was doing some lecture tours, like at, at health food stores, and and sometimes you'd have just two or three people show up. I mean, it's back in the 90s when this was happening. Usually they were elderly ladies who wanted to find out if they can take something instead of their drug from a natural product store. And I would do a talk about what I was learning and what I knew. And they sometimes were very, what I consider fairly mean and direct to me about, I didn't like it when you said that, or you can't say that. Now, it could have been a very personal attack I could have taken easily and go, oh my gosh, what are you, how dare you say that to me? But I always respected my elders, even if I didn't agree with them, just respected them. 
And I, and I said, you know what, what's important to me here? I had to self-reflect. I was like, is it more important that I am, uh, that I don't have any criti- critique or criticism after it because I'm so good at what I'm doing or talking? Or is it more important for me to learn from what they're telling me? Excuse me. <coughs> well, that was horrible. I sneezed on the air. <laughs> sun sneezing. You can see the sun's coming in. Or is it, is, is it more important for me to learn what they're saying because I'm really committed to what I want to communicate that I feel is so important that I'm out here putting myself on the line to communicate it and I want it to land and their critique is actually helping me to understand how to communicate better. So I could either take it from my ego or from my mission. And if my mission was pure and true, then it was like, I don't care what they're saying. I'm not going to take this personally and I'm going to listen to what they have to say and I'm going to apply it next time. And then I made a conscious decision at that point, not knowing about all the rules of things that, it's more important for me to help people wherever they are and I'm going to hear what they have to say and I'm going to do better. So, uh, so this, you know, from time to time, yes, you'll get barbs at you. I don't, I kind of let it roll off, but if there's something that stings a little, then I'll know there's some truth to it. And I'm like, ow, what was that and why? And if I'm true to what I set up in the beginning, then I'm going to look at it honestly. And I'll usually talk to my wife. I'll say, Nance, Hey, I heard this. Is, is this something you, you feel it resonates or not? And she's good. Cause she, she knows me and she can sense, Oh, that was just a nonsense thing. Or yeah, yeah. You could do that better. Cause if I stray a little bit, she knows. So I guess in the long qu- answer to your short question, uh, it is a, a commitment to mission and uh, a diminishment of the ego, even though the ego is important for you to be able to walk out in the world. It's not like you diminish it completely. But recognize, is that what is driving me? Is that what I'm after, that gratification? Or am I getting greater gratification from a person that says, I heard what you said, I understood it, and I applied it, and it got me well. And I'm like, that heart feeling as opposed to this, you know, other thing. Well, that's the grown-up response and, and a great one. And in the time that, you, that it took you to answer that question, you made me reflect and think about mm-hmm. that, that really these people are our greatest teachers, right? And my wife Anna talks about the people that throw the most amount of barbs are our greatest teachers. Hold that thought. Those dart, dart and barb throwers. We're going to talk more about that with Laban Ditchburn, world's best courage coach, on the Robert Scott Bell Show live from the Health Freedom Utah, your Health Freedom Utah event right now. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Special thanks to our friends at Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. This is the delimiting-based pesticide that is safe to use around your kids and your pets, in your garden, even organic uh, growing. It doesn't corrupt it. It's only listed for organic uh, uh, growing as well. And uh, it'll take care of the ants and the roaches and the little bugaboos, the aphids that you don't like without harming the general environment. Made from the orange peel, delimiting orangeguard.com. You can pick it up at your local Ace Hardware, Whole Foods, and straight by going to orangeguard.com. Back with my good buddy, Laban Ditchbird. And you were asking questions about uh, people that throw barbs at you or critique you and maybe send some negative things your way. And how does it strike you? And what do you do about it? And then you were just going into about your wife, Anna, who we've had on the show. Uh, Anna is uh, the world's best, what do we call it, trauma recovery coach. Uh, she's amazing. And I was thinking, because I went back to my wife, I said, yeah, I can always go to my wife and say, hey, what do you think of this? What is this? You know, it's like you have someone to bounce it off of. Now, I don't mean to bum out anybody that doesn't have a, a deep love in their life, a partner for life kind of thing. But 
you know, that you might have a friend or somebody to do that, or you might have to find out a way to go within in your relationship with the divine, with the spirit, with God as well to communicate, hey, what was that all about? What do I really do with that? But you were going right then again to your partner in life. It was really around the vitriol that we experienced, particularly being in a, in a more public forum from time to time. I, I got to say, like, it's 99.9% of the, the feedback that I certainly get, and hopefully with you as well, RSB, mm. is positive. But mm. it's the 0.1% <laughs> sure. that we notice the most. And and as I've been on this journey of, as, as I've sort of been progressing and my profile has been getting bigger and bigger, I'm attracting a little bit more heat here and there. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 those really, they, they really got me because my former life, I was a validation seeker. And I would do a lot of self-deprecating things to attract attention. And I was used to getting people to like me or at least think that they would like me. Well, you like the party guy that goes, hey, watch me drink this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then jump off that. Right, right, yeah. Hey, watch this. What? No. And then dive out of the way of that train and, like, you know, I should be dead about 100 times over. But Mm -hmm. these, I had a, a, a situation recently where a guy from my former life, he used to work in recruitment, right? He was a guy that I placed. I got him a job as a contractor earning at least $1,000 a day mm-hmm. on a couple of occasions. And and I created a post that went out on, on LinkedIn that was really nothing at all to do with me. It was, was regarding a guest that I interviewed who's a hip, hypnotherapist, Tim Shaw, who's been on your show as well. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the most vitriolic, like unbelievable comment. And it really negative, negatively affected, affected me, Rob. And I, and I was with Anna and I showed her this and, and she just said to me, you do realize that that's everything to do with him and nothing at all to do mm-hmm. with me. And, and the lesson there is that like any time you're on the receiving end of anything really heavy, I'm not talking about a like, like constructive criticism, we're talking about someone who's really tearing into you. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a trigger response to something that's going on, some other inner turmoil in their own life. Mm-hmm. And when you can learn to just like work out the difference between constructive criticism, feedback and being able to handle that versus dodging these barbs, mm-hmm. I think that's, it's a really great level of ascension that you've achieved. Because a lot of people don't get it, and a lot of people that are spewing out the hate don't realize that it's coming from within. Mm-hmm. I've done it. I still do it on occasion, mm-hmm. but it's I'm becoming far more aware of it now. I can just send them love and abundance. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. And, and to delineate, again, the difference being uh, significant even, hurtful that might be perceived that way, critique versus just a vicious attack that's more of a reflection of the state of somebody's you know suffering or their wound. And I know many people will act and react because of their wounds and will often take it out on, it could take it out on you. You never know. And you're like, well, why, why is that? Now, maybe because you're tough enough to handle it and that you can give back, not that hate or vitriol or the punch in the nose I was joking about, but just reflect back the love. Now that can be uncomfortable for them too, but at the same time, you're not adding to the burden. You're not elevating or escalating something that could achieve, you know, really nothing a whole lot good actually. Uh, that could end up bringing genuine harm to yourself as well. So uh, you mentioned the adult response. I talk about it in terms of maturity and immaturity. When we, you know, are younger, and I, I, I had some level of experience in maturity, even when I was immature in other ways. There were certain things that were like, I just get that. I don't know why, I just get it. And I began to apply it and saw benefit in my life and in the life of others. And yet one of the hardest things to do is accept critique when it is given with great sincerity. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it because we're so 
you know, maybe we're carrying wounds that are just right below the surface we're trying to cover up and hide and pretend we don't have. But then they can highlight and spotlight it, which is what the point I said about if it stings, like you point out, does it, does it like hit like a barb where you're like, ooh, that didn't just bounce off like, oh, that's ridiculous. I know that's ridiculous versus there might be some element of truth to that. And then what? What do you do with it? Where do you go from there? And, and I think of your wife in terms of recovering from trauma like almost nobody's ever been. I mean, I can, I don't mean to compare traumas. Everybody's trauma is their own and it's unique and important to them. Uh, and, and the question is, how do you take those wounds that seem to be reopened because they never healed and move forward? Again, I guess that's maybe the point in which what a coach could help you do or however you define what you do in terms of bringing or helping to awaken the courageous within for somebody that seeks your help out. Well, it's a great point, Rob, and 95% of our daily actions are run by our subconscious, right? And if you are operating at a place where you are unconsciously incompetent, right? And I'm not talking about your ability to drive a car or cook a, you know, an omelette. It's, it's about becoming aware of the fact that you are not able to, to handle a certain thing. And then at least when you're, when you become conscious of it, then you can start taking action to, mm-hmm. to fix. The, the, the role that a, that a really good coach will play will to shortcut that whole learning curve. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to spend 20 years of your life figuring out that it's you spewing hate because it's something inside you and then only to find out, that, you know, 20 years down the line. Whereas you can pick, you can learn this stuff a lot quicker. And the, and the, the more that you master the stuff, the, 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 the faster you can ascend, mm-hmm. all right, towards enlightenment. And, yeah. and I think that's really the point. Right. Well, there's a lot of people hurting, but there's a lot of people helping too. And I think that uh, question of where do you place your attention, you know, where attention goes, energy flows. And part of it is breaking the cycle of, we talked briefly about negative self-talk and how those things that even in jest can be interpreted by your subconscious in a way that they don't get the joke. It doesn't get the joke. And so I, I've had to become a little sensitive about the that kind of concept of ribbing uh, and how uh, even even though you might not mean anything by it, it could be there could be elements of truth. And unless it, I guess unless it's the point of such absurdity, you're like, come on, this is obviously absurd. But you hope that you know somebody well enough that they also know that, too, where you can be in that safer space to where you can give each other crap. And you're like, yeah, I mean, we're totally just uh, digging each other and loving on each other. But this is the way sometimes men do it. Guys do it. Right. So uh, I don't mean to dismiss that there is a possibility that you can have relationships with people that aren't negative, that involve that. But sometimes you might need to take a step back and check out. It's like, ooh, well, where is it coming from? You know, how can we consciously engage in that kind of thing? Because I'm not looking for everybody to be so wimpified and wussified that they can't take a joke either. Right. There's something a lot about it's like you become hypersensitive where you you snowflake melt the moment you hear a word that you perceive in a way that uh, now we've we've corrupted the ability to just speak at all. We're so afraid to talk because we might offend somebody. Well, look at the way that comedy has gone in the last decade. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's virtually impossible to find anything that's of any significance humor wise now because people are so fearful. But I, I'd like to throw a challenge out to to the listener. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, Jack Canfield, who wrote Success Principles and co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, was a guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He shared uh, a swear jar scenario that he operates at home, but instead mm-hmm. of putting money in for swearing, it's for negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And so maybe try for 30 days, no negative self-talk, and just see how that impacts you and how your awareness of how other people speak. Because you talk about being around, you know, 
know the wrong people and normal the amount of ribbing and whatever. And I think yeah. once you become conscious again, consciously, you know, competent, yeah. then you can then make a better, more informed decision. Mm-hmm. So every time negative self-talk, ah, oh, I could never do that. It's five bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, five, yeah. That stinks. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much how much money you got, right? Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And just try it for 30 days and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, simple challenge, but maybe a hard challenge. Uh, I talk about the challenge of fasting every week. Uh, uh, my friends in the Jewish faith, of course, uh, uh, this past week was Yom Kippur, and they fasted that one time during the uh, the year, in fact, and I remember growing up doing that. And now doing it once a week is uh, not a problem at all. It's like, wow, this is interesting. And then maybe you'll find such benefit in doing it for a day. You might want to do it a two-day fast or a three-day even. And for those of you who are just entering into that ability to even do a fast for a few hours between meals, you know, I had to work up to the ability to do that because I was severely hypoglycemic many, many years ago. And recognize the mineral deficiencies in me that precipitated the difficulty or near impossibility of doing something so beneficial like fasting. Uh, and, you know, you've been experimenting. We've been joking about this. Uh, the Zevia sodas, which are the Stevia uh, sweetened, which are not a uh, caloric sweetener. I love Stevia. I mean, I use it in my, my mate tea and everything for years I have. Organic, of course. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, I was at okay, Casey Krejci's. They had Zevia soda. These, these Zevias have really... In- I wish I had stock in the Zevias because they, <laughs> they've been too. a great transition in from the, the horrible sugary soft drinks or artificial soft drinks to something they don't even put food coloring in at all. Colorings are all. So it's a, it's clean soda. I will acknowledge that. Uh, but even that in terms of, uh, the concept of, uh, of, of fasting or experimentation with how we can move through life and, um, gain control over the things that seem to have controlled us. Well, you know, we spoke about during the week when I was doing a blood sugar experiment because mm-hmm. I, I did a uh, what ended up being about a 42-hour fast, I think. But I don't know if it technically is a fast because I did start drinking the Zevias, mm-hmm. but just purely to check my blood sugar levels. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, they didn't actually they didn't actually spike at all. However, my fasting Glucose blood sugar level, yeah. in the morning was higher. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe there is an insulin spike there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's fascinating, but I love the way you go about it. It's like I'm going all in. I'm going to learn about this. No subtlety there. That's that's not Laban Ditchburn subtlety. But uh, <laughs> yes, he can teach subtle lessons through the intensity of being the world's best courage coach. And as we found out, uh, courageous is contagious. Being courageous is contagious. That's the the rhyme of the day, and uh, I, I like that because as, as well, we acknowledge that fear is contagious too. So choose wisely the folks that you're going to interact with. Uh, you know, to see what you want to do, you'll see that your state of consciousness is reflected and reflects among those you hang out with the most. Um, my mom used to say, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are, right? There's an ability to identify some level of truth in that regard. And so uh, I, I think it's an important thing. And it doesn't mean don't interact with people that are not identical to you either. But when we get back, we'll go through the nuances and discussions of that as well here on The Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks for being here, robertscottbell.com. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. Upcoming events are listed in, funny enough, the upcoming events tab at the Robert Scott Bell Show website, robertscottbell.com. It's that cool. And uh, we're here at Your Health Freedom Utah. Kristen Chevrier, my friend, is hosting this again. She's doing it every year. And uh, 
great, great crowd of people here, good people that are here we're meeting. I was talking with Eric Muchos. I introduced you to Eric Muchos, former Salt Lake City cop. He's right? a He's handsome looking man, isn't quite, he? Quite a story he's had in re- waking up to the corruption within the police and, and his willingness to speak out. And he recognizes the spiritual nature of everything. Um, and Jordan Cassidy Gunderson of the H. Mecton fame. I've, and I haven't fully talked about that on the air. I've talked about it behind the scenes. Herbal Mecton. I want to get a show uh, put together for that coming up. So stand by for that. Del Bigtree is here. Uh, also, uh, let's see. Who else? Oh, our buddy Kevin Tuttle. Oh, Kevin here Tuttle. with Scott Shara. Uh, your amazing grace. And uh, what was it like meeting Kevin? What do you think? Well, Kevin Tuttle is the very reason that I'm sitting next to you. Isn't and the that the reason that okay. I'm staying with you guys at the moment. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've got to say, for anyone who's out there who's listening, who, who has a show, has a podcast, who has a radio show that needs someone who is probably the most organized person. Needs some PR. PR. Kevin Tuttle is your man. He's your guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just a heart-centered, Christ-led individual with such a big heart, yeah. and uh, I'm just I'm blessed to know the man. I was saying, you know, it took me about 22 plus years to get to 1,500 guests. Okay, that's a lot of guests, but and, and I only count them once, even though they've been on multiple times, because I've done thousands of shows. We're probably approaching 10,000 shows now after all these years. But in the last year, since we had Kevin booking, helping us book people. I've got almost 1,600 in, in less than a year. So that means 100 out of that. I mean, out of all those other years, it's like really accelerated, which is great. So for those of you looking for public relations, he's got Spirit PR, which he started. Uh, and he's doing great work. We appreciate Kevin. Uh, see, he's a guy I like to rib. We do rib each other back and forth. But I, I tend to think it be more positive and silly. But I'll have to check in with him based on our discussion today. I don't get the feeling that he's got a bad bone in his body. He, he does. He gave me, he gives me ribbing from time to time, but coming from him, it doesn't, doesn't well, he's been feel. through trauma. You know, your wife interviewed him for, yeah. her, for her podcast too. And it's hard to not much less acknowledge the experience he's been through, but to not come out of that or to come out of that and not repeat those behaviors. A lot of times people get stuck and locked into those behaviors. They've been abused and other things. And uh, we've seen an awakening and an enlightenment in him that is transformative and that doesn't go down that same pattern that breaks the pattern, which uh, I'm, I'm happy when, when I see that happen, cause it doesn't always happen that way. It's really inspiring. Yeah. Really yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what else is going on out there as we're wrapping up uh, this hour of the Robert Scott Bell show again, a uh, shout out. This is your health freedom symposium. For those of you who ever get to come to, to it every year, she, uh, Kristen puts this on and brings in a lot of great speakers, including Jim Moody, who we've had on this show as well. Of course, I mentioned Dell big tree, uh, Brianne Dressen, I think we've interviewed for, uh, she's from React 19. Pierre Corey, also here. Big name. Yeah. Big name. And Jared St. Clair, uh, local health food store owner and, and radio show guy. Uh, Mary Holland from, uh, Children's Health Defense and Scott Sherrill, we mentioned as well. And, uh, we're just gonna, and, and our buddy Charlie is here. We're gonna plan to go out and have an organic meal and go bowling. As, as Laban says, 10 pin bowling. I'm like, is there a 12 pin bowling I didn't know about that you have to say 10 pin? How do you know how many balls you're gonna knock over if you don't say 10? 10 pins, you, whatever they got, you just knock them over. I never thought that the number mattered. I just, that was just me. Yeah, no, it's, look, it's just one of those things. It's just the nuances, the nuances, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, what other trips you got coming up? Have you just been yeah. gallivanting all over Florida? Well, yeah, the Health Freedom Expo is next weekend in Chicago. Chicago? Chicago. Uh, you guys are going to be at Disney, I think. Yeah, are you going to go get a deep dish, organic pizza? If I could find one. I've never heard of an organic deep dish in Chicago, which would be kind of cool to do. But uh, David Martin's going to be there, of course. Uh, I think Kevin Tuttle's going to be there as well because Scott Sherrill will be there. 
and many of our friends, Paul Barchero, uh, oh, John Hewlett from Cardio Miracle. You haven't met John yet, yet. but that Cardio Miracle stuff is amazing. That's going to be there as well. And uh, we've got Sherry Neal and Jonathan from ChooseToBeHealthy.com. So next weekend is going to be sensational. I hope you can join us at uh, the uh, Tinley Park Convention Center outside of Chicago uh, for the Health Freedom Expo. The following weekend, the 22nd of October, I'll be in the Pittsburgh area, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. And that's going to be the uh, uh, Health Freedom event as well, sponsored by Health Hut which is a great group of stores there in the in the western Pennsylvania area that not only are selling great products like the Sovereign Silver and Sovereign Copper, but again, believe in the freedom message. Or else they wouldn't have invited me to speak at that event. And Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack, great guy, smart guy. We love to have him on the show for whenever we can. Uh, we'll also be there. And that's just uh, two of a few. And we'll be back in Salt Lake City for the Red Pill Expo. G. Edward Griffin, bringing that back, Dr. David Martin as well. And that's the 12th and 13th of November. So hope to see you there. Back after the break with more powerful healing because the power to heal is yours. Thanks, Laban. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. A lot of people have said there are people now dying of the swine flu who are in good health. By whose standards? Hospitals serve Jello. Robert Scott Bell. Food advertising. You know the people. Fresh, natural, hearty, old-fashioned, homemade goodness in a can. <laughs> Robert Scott Robert Bell. Scott Bell. Scott Bell. Dr. Agus argues that the fountain of youth is attainable if everyone were to take statin drugs. Excuse me? It sounds completely, completely insane. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. <laughs> All right, we're back. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on our Sunday radio broadcast uh, via GCN syndicated. And our good buddy, our pal, our friend, Del Bigtree on from the High Wire and so much more with updates that you might, if you're plugged into a lot of the, the press releases that come out, whether it be through Children's Health Defense or others, uh, really the amazing things that are happening via pressing either through Freedom of Information Act requests, lawsuits, or combinations of the two. Yeah. We begin to dig information and, and reveal information that, for some reason, they don't want to reveal yeah, unless you push them. Yeah. So what's the latest? The uh, latest is huge. I think uh, last week we won... Arguably, I think it's the biggest lawsuit we've won yet. I and mean, you've won a few big ones. We so. have won a few big ones. I'm I'm lucky that you know I partnered up with Aaron Siri, um, who amazing. I think is one of the, the greatest constitutional. I haven't interviewed him time. yet. I want him. You on really the show. should. I you really should. Yeah. He's spectacular. And uh, so for years, you know, we've been you know chipping away at the CDC, the FDA, Health and Human Services. We've won lawsuits against all of them. The NIH. Uh, but this lawsuit this week, uh, for over a year, we have been. Um, Started with Freedom Information Act requests, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, and multiple. They, they kept sort of kicking it back. We can't answer this request for this reason. I mean, it being very difficult, mm-hmm. press lawsuits, you know. And so in the end, it's about two or three lawsuits, several FOIA requests. We finally got the V-SAFE data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for people that don't know what V-SAFE is, uh, we all know about VARES. VARES is that Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Mm-hmm. 
that the CDC doesn't always claims every time they'll use it for their own studies, by the way, but right. they'll tell you as soon as you look at it, well, it can't be used that way. It's, it's not a reliable, it's, it's you know, voluntary data and anybody right. can do it. We had, of course, Jessica Rose, you probably, have oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she just dispels that yeah, myth, of yeah. course, but at the same time, taking it a step up into the V safe data, yes. which is another, let's say level. Maybe you should explain that to the, yeah, so the CDC decided, you know, since, this was an emergency use authorization product, which meant they knew they were jumping out of the safety trials early. Essentially, they knew they were turning the entire U.S. population uh, and really the world into a, a clinical trial. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do that, you better not be using a capture system for injury that you keep saying is ineffective. And so they built VSAFE to be an effective you know, injury capture space. Yeah. Uh, so it was an app and essentially that you signed up to when you were getting the vaccine and then they would, you know, reach out to you, you know, like on a weekly basis, you know, how are you feeling? And then there were certain questions. Are you having nausea? And you just, you know, you just sort of, you know, yes, right. you know, yes or no questions to a bunch of different symptoms and things like that. So this effectively is the only database that was really designed just for COVID, for the COVID vaccines Mm -hmm. uh, by the CDC in attempt to quell all of the concerns that you are about to release an unknown, untested product out to humanity Mm -hmm. with no idea what it's doing. So another V-safe is there for that. Now, remember when this was all happening, um, you know, they knew they were rushing out. They promised the American people, we're going to be totally transparent. We recognize we're rushing this out to you. We'll be collecting data. We're going to keep the American, you know, public on top of that data, you know, as we find it. Yeah. They didn't know such thing. Um, and so, you know, since this system started back in 2021, mm-hmm. you know, it has like over a year of data tracking these people that signed up. Over 10 million people signed up to the mm-hmm. system and used it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they never really presented that data to the world and certainly weren't making it accessible. And remember, mm-hmm. we're getting really tired of all the data. The Pfizer collects its own you know, its own trial data mm-hmm. and doesn't want the public to see it. Right. Aaron Siri won the lawsuit against the FDA where the FDA wanted to wait 75 years for <laughs> Pfizer's clinical right. data to come out. I mean, when everybody you have, should be dead by the time they know the I data. I mean, right course, yes. there, yeah. any thinking person should be like, why is my regulatory agency hiding data from a private company from us that they have? It makes no sense. Well, the same thing. CDC was trying to hide this V-safe data. Well, and, and then you know? really, let's just put it out there because yeah. the reason that anybody would want to hide this, they, they didn't know. Well, like, they want us to know how great and safe and effective right. these jabs are. Clearly, they would have released that, ended all the controversy. And so it, just tell us how safe it is. Reveal it. Exactly. So. Just prove it. Like, I mean, here <laughs> it is. Like, that's what's for. And, yeah. and they'll say, oh, we're getting great. We're The V-safe data shows it safe. Really? Then let us see it. Yeah. Let us see the data. Stop like telling me what you're seeing. And so we won that lawsuit and we got all of the, well, let me just say we got all of the sort of fields that you fill out, the questions being asked, did you have pain, you know, swelling, things like that. Um, and so out of that data, the 10 million people, I mean, I mean, I want people to go and check it out themselves, which you can do right now. You just go to icandecide.org slash vsafe and you're immediately on the page we've built. And an amazing um, uh, dashboard, what we're calling it, so that you can push different parts of it. How many women, you know, were affected, men, yeah. race, yeah. you know, uh, which vaccine did you take? Mm-hmm. How serious was the illness? You, all sorts of things that you can play around and look through all this data, uh, which we had a, an amazing tech person built that. But right 
from the get-go, what you see is that out of, you know, the 10 million people, there's like 3 million reports. Now, granted, a lot of those are going to be mild issues but you know expect that i mean it's going to be a wide variety a wide variety but when you start drilling down on serious being and this is the number that i think is really shocking when it you know serious enough a serious enough adverse event that you were driven into medical care yeah uh, or hospitalization that number was about seven hundred eighty-two thousand people out of the 10 million so Roughly right around 7.7% of those that received this vaccine that were a part of the V-Safe system needed medical care. That's shocking, Uh, especially for a product that now they're admitting doesn't stop transmission, Mm -hmm. was ineffective at stopping you from catching the illness. But what they said is it reduces your chances of hospitalization. Really? 7.7% of people going into medical care that's not a reduction looking at the amount of people. When you just look, remember how many people they said were asymptomatic with the virus itself, right? When we forget all of this, but the whole reason we masked the world and locked us all down was because so many people were having no symptoms at all. We're not going to the hospital. They didn't yeah. even know they were sick. Yeah. And so you have a product that's supposed to do even better than the most asymptomatic, one of the most asymptomatic diseases we've ever seen. Which was an absurdity and, on its face. Uh, right. And, and very few were willing to call that out. And we, of course, have featured some of these docs, of course, over the last couple of years that actually were willing to speak out. Yeah. Many of them have been attacked viciously. Some, some have lost their licenses. Others, uh, uh, you know, are still struggling with, uh, should I should I talk about it? And I, yeah. I, we've been encouraging people to speak out. It's not a time to be silent about this. Now, there was another thing I, I heard recently about, uh, and I don't know if it comes out of the V-Safe data or if it's a misinterpretation of the data, that like half of the people that got the jabs were injured enough that they sought medical help in some way it was a significant percentage so you yeah. have well what you have is and i'm not staring right at the data right yeah. now seven percent seven point seven sought medical care okay that, that yeah. is that number but you have a larger group that were unable to go to work yes, uh, yes. or or go to school or, or or to participate in daily activities and that's well over 25 yeah. percent uh on its own and so these are huge, staggering numbers for a product that the entire purpose at this point was just to reduce yeah. your loss of work. And then think about the military. Think about the military where, in the end, the entire reason they want to give it to their military is so that they don't – that they're you know battle-ready – and you—that's driving them into medical care. Yeah. They can't get up in the morning. They can't perform, you know, their duties. Then you're losing the entire purpose of it. And, and by the way, right now the CDC is scrambling. I mean, we are waiting to see an official statement from the CDC. Our data came out on Monday. We put up the dashboard. We are answering questions with multiple news agencies right now that yeah. are telling us what the CDC is saying. We're responding and saying, "Ask them this, then ask them that." So it's really—we've never—it's getting, yeah. getting hot. Yeah, and they're in the hot yeah. seat. And I—I I, I don't want to get into. Deep details because we will leave sure. the CDC to make whatever official statement they finally come out with. But I will tell you, they are changing that statement on a daily basis in front of mainstream news agencies that are watching them change their story. It's going to it's really right bad be, for them right, right now. Right before their eyes. Yeah. You know, these are the things as we point out in what's called new media that can be easily dismissed by, by others uh, in a way that Maybe the average folks might not look deeper in. I was like, well, they said there's nothing to it. Okay. Well, now is what Dell's bringing out through these suits and FOIA requests. It's making it very awkward for them to change the story right in front of everybody. So it is so obvious that it's not as easy to go. I can explain that away. Right. You're having a great difficulty in explaining that away. And yet 
I know a lot of people are still living in, in dissonance, cognitive dissonance through it all. Maybe we'll never reach them. But there are others that are right in the middle that are reasonable folks that are starting yeah. to see. And it's a very disconcerting awakening. You know, you don't want to see that these institutions that you may have revered over the years. Granted, I haven't revered them in a long time. Many of you haven't in this audience. But you can say now by reapproaching the people that maybe dismissed you, you have more and more information that you can share and say, hey, look, you just got to review this. Give this a chance. Yeah. And that's the opportunity we're, we're providing. You're providing. Yeah. I mean, you know? so again, just go to icandecide.org slash vsafe. And what you can tell your friends, I mean, even though it says I can, you know, on the tab on the page run, because it's on our website and they'll say, well, I've heard I can, blah, blah. We also on that same page mm-hmm. is the raw data download. We are opening it. We have been transparent from the very beginning. Uh, one of the things we've said to the newspapers that are asking, like, well, how did you uh, analyze this data? We said there is no an- analysis. analysis. The That's dashboard it. just simply linked up to the data collection as they had it. Yeah. You get to see exactly what the raw data says. This is an opportunity to go to your friends that are maybe on the fence and say, look, this is unaltered. This is the data as the CDC collected. Ask yourself if this sounds good. Now, people will, that you know are in the know, and those of you, because you have a very intelligent audience, to say, well, where's the deaths? Where's the myocarditis? Where's the blood clots? You know, uh, where, where are the strokes? Uh, right. the, the Bell's palsy? Well, and this is what, again, is an even deeper part of the story is that they didn't ask those questions on this app. Mm-hmm. Like they have all these, you know, automatic entry fields. Did you have nausea? Did you have headaches? Where's the, how about just, they have abdominal pain, but how about chest pain? I mean, even if you'd have went there, there yeah. uh, but they knew going into this that they were having an issue with myocarditis. Uh, and also they've updated this app for other reasons. Why didn't you add myocarditis? If you're, um, this is what we have the news. We said, ask them this. Ask, ask them, them this. this. Yeah. Ask them why they never upgraded and put a question in about myocarditis. I love the, I love things. the fact that you're spoon feeding the media, helping yeah. them do their jobs. Like you didn't know that you could ask those questions. Oh, really? I should ask that. Yeah, it's a good question. All right, when we come back, yeah. we'll ask some more questions of our good friend Del Bigtree from the High Wire here at Your Health Freedom Utah event. Shout out to Kristen Chevrier for putting on our amazing event. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Back at it here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dale Bigtree from the High Wire talking primarily today about the VSAFE data yeah. that they Freedom of Information Act requests suited out. It's out there, and the information is there available for you to see. This is not a kind of bias. Oh, well, he believes something or no. I believe something. This is about raw data that's available that the government or those representing the government at CDC, at these organizations and bureaucracies, for some reason, didn't want you to see. As I pointed out, it's like, you guys got all the evidence that it's safe. Don't you let us see it? Oh, we don't want you to see it, but we know it's safe. Now you can assess this yourself. And as Del, we were talking about how you say, ask them this. Right. It's embarrassing. We have to tell you what to ask them, really? But that's how far it's come. It has come that far. But, you know, thank God. These are, I mean, there's going to be some big articles, I think, coming out this week on this issue, which is great. And it shows how this thing is, how COVID has shifted this conversation around vaccine safety. And, you know, 
once you know you have something this important, a real database inside the CDC, this is a real news story. Yeah. Um, but I want to be really clear because people ask, well, how is this different than bears or why is this more important? And I want to finish up what I was just saying. They didn't ask the questions about all the obvious severe injuries we would want to know about. But in that case, on the app, they had a write-in box, you know, other, like that other box. We're all sort of used to that, where you would have written in, I ended up going to the hospital with blood clots. Or, so all of that, that data does exist. We That is a continued lawsuit by us. Like, so far, the court has said, and they basically pushed back and said, the only we can, thing we're ready to provide right away, because it's easy, it's just sort of yes yeah. or no data, so we can hand that over. You're telling me that other section has not been yet revealed. We don't have that yet. Okay. We are still, we are. we will not quit till we get that because the same argument holds uh that is that is our public data remember this is a government agency this is a government program this app was built by our government they work for us they're our employees so they have to show us this stuff so you know that as we get more of that data in there that very important data we'll be putting that in the dashboard but you can already read into you know severe pain and ask questions like that where you say somewhere in here is probably those myocarditis issues but what's interesting about this and and why it's different than VARES is VARES we have no denominator Right. We don't know when we see I think I think it's around 30,000 deaths right now reported to VAERS. But out of how many users. Right. I mean, what is that number? And, and so we just don't have a reference point, really. And then how many are reporting? What's interesting about this is, number one, when we look at the graphs, well, like we actually see when people signed up to this. The most people that signed up to it, like so that first like six or seven million did it in the first two or three months. Mm-hmm. And so why that's important is the CDC is trying to say that or or no, not the CDC as much as I've seen media say, well, those were the people that just want to talk the vaccine down. Like they're, right, they're right. looking for it's problems a, with it. Internal bias. Right. Not true at all. Bring to it. Right? Not yeah. true at all. Yeah. What you see is it was this was the gung ho group. There's no one in this group was forced to get it. They were lined up like I can't wait till it's available. So they're less likely to to report bad things about they're going to want to see it we see this throughout so this was your gung-ho group and out of that if 7.7 percent are going to the hospital yeah but you know and, and getting seeking medical care yeah. you have a real problem here and remember we so we also know it's out of 10 million that's how we get the 7.7 percent we right. don't get that from bears we don't know how right, many right. people out this is out of many, yeah. but what's interesting and i did this the other day and is if we assume that this is a clear-cut snapshot, that somehow these are just all people remember, they didn't sign up once they were having adverse events, which is what VAERS is. VAERS is only – I'm only right. doing this because I'm having a bad day. With infor- they yeah. went in when they loved the thing. All right? So we have the people that had a good reaction, and we have the people that had a bad reaction in a very you know a clean cutout. When I look at that, if you take 7.7%, for instance, that ended up needing medical care, mm-hmm. if you take the amount, if you put 7.7% against the 200 and something million that ended up getting the vaccine, what you realize is t- that would mean that 20 million people likely sought medical care and hospitalization after That's vaccination. Yeah. 20 million. When we go to the VAERS database, this is how I cross-referenced the other day. I, I just went with urgent care. All the people that's loose said hospitalization, right. urgent care, ER, yeah. Yeah. and said, what is that number on VAERS? It's about 500,000. So that's like, you know, 2.5% of what this snapshot tells us. So now when we look at VAERS and we're trying to think, of, you know, what is that? I would say we, we've talked a lot about Harvard Medical School investigated VAERS years ago and said they believed it was, it was about 1% of the total amount of right. injuries. Well, we've been wondering, well, with COVID, maybe there's been a little bit more focus on, you know, writing these things into VAERS. Sure, sure. So we've been giving the benefit of the doubt saying, well, maybe it's 10%, which is still horrible. If you take 30,000 people <laughs> yeah, and it's only 10%. that die. 
right. Yeah. And you say that's that's only 10 percent. So then we're talking, is that 300,000 people? But look at this. In this case, this snapshot tells us that bears more likely is about 2.5 percent. That it's wow. only representing, yeah. you know, let's let's give it five percent, sure, you know, and so now we are in a space yeah. where we we could be looking at, you know, millions astronomical numbers. Yeah. All right, we'll be back with more of Dell Bigtree here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, the Found Day. I was supposed to be in Florida, and I'm here in Utah because that one got delayed. Woe is me! I have to go to Florida in January now. Oh, oh my no. gosh, I know. Dell Bigtree, my buddies, hanging on for more great information. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world to the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right. Remember, folks, uh, you don't want to pollute your environment any more than it's already polluted. In fact, if you got bugs coming in the house, what do you do? Toxic poison your kids and your pets, too? No, don't do it. Delimiting from the orange peel. OrangeGuard.com. My buddy Tor in California developed many years ago. Went through the EPA. It's registered as a pesticide, and it won't harm your kids or your pets. I use it on my organic garden when needed. If there's a pest going on in my greenhouse, I take care of it. OrangeGuard.com. You can get it at the local uh, Ace Hardware store. Covers it, carries it. Whole Foods or go direct orangeguard.com. Again, good solutions in the free market. Not required, not mandated, but make better choices and you can be well. And I'm so grateful for those folks that support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. I am so grateful for my friend Del Bigtree with the High Wire and uh, with ICANN and all the groups that are working together to kind of reveal the things that have been hidden for maybe decades, maybe millennia, arguably, but they're not getting away with it the way they once did. And we're talking a lot about that today with yeah. Dell and what the Dell reveals with the high wire, all the interesting guests and fascinating interviews. It's more along those lines of the things that no other media source would ever touch. And yet now you're providing the, the media sources and basically embarrassing them into having to ask yeah. them, do their jobs, do yeah. your jobs. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I get fact-checked once in a while, and uh, there's this group, NewsGuard. Yes. And everyone's will threaten, like, you're going to be taken off the Internet because you're not speaking truths. It's like, huh, let me re- reference the last time you wrote me a letter. Last time you wrote me and told me that I would be pulled off of the Internet, you were attacking me because I had a scientist on saying he believed that this virus came from a lab in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Uh our, our coverage of that has aged very well. How's NewsGuard doing with that? I, <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see a retraction on that, yet almost all of science has turned on you. So kind of questioning what your talent is as a fact checker. Yeah. I mean, I love messing that, with these guys now. Great, I got to tell them exactly what I think, you mm-hmm. know. It is funny. Yeah. I, look, I was talking with Superdon the other day on the show. I was like, let's look back at the last two and a half, almost three years now of COVID. How many times have we had to go back on the air and apologize for what we got wrong? And we were just thinking about that, like, uh, I'd, not even <laughs> once. Was, no, no, like, it's really. And we're okay if yeah. we make a mistake. I don't mind going, hey, dude, Dunwood. I screwed that up. And you've, you, you know, look, it, Same we're okay. It's thing. part of life, right? But we haven't been the ones getting it all wrong. Right. They're coming over to our side and then claiming we're still misinformation, right. disinformation. Yeah, yeah, well, and and by the way, they, they built that misinformation term. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to backfire on them. I think it's become so clear as they have rerouted themselves. Michelle Walensky out there trying to sell a new historical prep. You know, you even have, I mean, 
you even have Tony Fauci saying, yes, I brought draconian measures. I was like, I can't believe you used that word. <laughs> Did yeah, I had to. That was, that was the only way we could get through it. Like, so now forget about all this conspiracy theorists that were yeah. blamed for overstating it when they called it draconian. Yeah. The guy himself just said, yeah, well, of course they were draconian. What, was it Offit that recently said, hey, maybe uh, seven, eight mice, not enough. We should hold yeah. off on that. Yeah. And we actually invited him on the show. Within two minutes of receiving the email, he said, no, thanks. Yeah. That was that. I yeah. mean, we get, look, we don't agree with him a lot, but on that, we're like, hey, I, have, I reach out to him on a yearly basis and yeah. a really nice email. He's always very cordial. Thank you for the invite. Um, yeah. I'm going to pass. So at least we yeah. know we're both in good company. We both were rejected. Indeed. But, <laughs> but the point is about these things. We might have great disagreements with folks in certain yeah. realms of official status within medicine or otherwise. But my gosh, we're always willing to have reasonable discussions and questions about why you say the things you say. Or if we find something, hey, we actually agree with you on this. We'd love to talk to you about it. And yet they never tend to want to show I, up I have a theory on him. Yeah. I have a theory on what's going on there. Yeah. I, I actually think that he's now, he's going to turn on the mRNA vaccine program. Wow. Uh, the, I think the CDC, NIH, WHO all want to go in that direction. I think he sees it as the disaster that it is. Uh, remember, he's Stanley Plotkin's protege. They had a dream of a future where they were going to eradicate all disease from the planet using their vaccine programs. Mm-hmm. I think he sees that this mRNA vaccine is, is, and I'm going to talk about it today in my talk here um, at, at this event. Yeah. Uh, it is eroding confidence in the childhood vaccine program. What I think you're seeing Offit do is he's trying to grab the people that are, are following you sure, and I, sure. saying, you're right, the mRNA vaccine is really bad, but he's going to try and grab them and then Bring sell them, them in, yeah. on the fact that the original vaccine yeah. program is okay. So you're seeing a division now, which is great. Yes. All yeah. you ever want to do when you have an opponent that's bigger than you is at least get them fighting each other. Mm-hmm. They're starting to really have some major infighting here. Well, Offit's a big deal. Yeah, big deal. and if Offit is a true believer, Believer, what we say in, in let's say the childhood vaccine program, yeah. and I don't doubt that he is. No. I mean, I think he is. He is. Um, you know, obviously, we have disagreements about what that program is wrought. Uh, what is wrought? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I look at him and I'm trying to think about what is going on with him. And, and I think yeah. your, your perspective is very reasonable. I thought it is a disaster, and you don't want to be dragged down by that. No. And, and no. On as much as you might say, hey he really believes in the childhood vaccine program. It's harming the participation in it. It sure is. And I'm going, hooray, people are finally questioning it, which is good. By the way, there's a lot of people that would say to me, Dell, it's not a vaccine. Why are you calling it a vaccine? It's a gene therapy. And there's a whole argument in our movement. I said, I didn't say it publicly because I didn't want to talk about strategy. Right. But I don't care. I want them calling it a vaccine because I knew it was going to be a disaster. If we had changed it to a gene therapy and it was a disaster, it would have had no effect on the childhood. Yeah. I wouldn't be able able to take your concern over to the childhood vaccine program. Yeah. So I never jumped on that bandwagon. If they want to call it a vaccine, though it's not, I will let them call it a vaccine because when it's a total disaster, I will be able to take the stink of that disaster and put it (laughs) all over the other vaccines, which they didn't properly safety test either which which in that way it was very similar to a vaccine yeah very unlike drugs that do go through more robust safety testing long-term studies for the most part yeah. so it was treated Thank like a least. vaccine in the way it was rushed onto the market yeah so interesting like i say strategery can i call yes. it that strategery yeah i love when dell when you talk about the things that you know are completely opposite even those who would be more aligned with our thinking yes. Yeah. And say, look, this was good that this happened in this way. In fact, I encourage it because some people would criticize you. For yeah, I was being that, criticized. Right? Like, why are you? I mean, I'm, I'm, people watch my show. You see, why are you still calling it a right, vaccine? Right, yeah. I just said exactly Dude, why. And I'll admit, I don't like calling it a vaccine because actually it doesn't fit the definition. They altered the definition to fit it. But the spillover has been tremendous because even 
a, a large swath of the medical community that would have never, ever in their life looked at those previous mm-hmm. things that we would call vaccines right. and questioned them. It wasn't possible to even enter, entertain or educate. Uh, even try to when you try to educate them, I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Polio. I don't want to hear it. And they, so there was nowhere to go. Now, some of these many, in fact, these physicians, some we featured on you've had out on your show yeah. as well, are, are like, I never would have considered going back that far because he they knew sort of that this was different. But now all of the corruption surrounding it has caused them to now look back and go. I wonder if there was any deception there as well, which was right. my journey early on exactly. when I was lied to about this. I said, oh, could it be possible they lied to me about this and this and this? And that's what opened up the so-called Pandora's box, which is opened by, eh, go ahead, call it a vaccine. I know it's not, but even that is okay because of what it's leading to. I saw that, I mean, to me, we had a better ending letting them call it a vaccine, and I think we're seeing that Oops. now. So, yeah, there's a lot of strategy uh, okay. to these uh decisions that we're making the highway look we're we're just it's just our perspective yeah i didn't ever tell anyone don't you know you, you can do whatever you exactly. want exactly but there's there's a lot of benefit to that mm-hmm. and and so they have tarnished the term vaccine the term mm-hmm. vaccine to every doctor meant safe and effective they yeah. literally they're synonymous right so by allowing covid vaccine to be called a vaccine it's, it's it was now it's tarnished tainted. and now yeah. you have to assume you have to accept that injury can happen but I think an even better side effect is the fact that they did change the definition of a vaccine. You know, this is something, do, do we need to cut? No, the, no, we're or, good. We're good. Right. So think about this. By calling it a vaccine, had it been a gene therapy, they wouldn't yeah. have had to do this. Right. But by calling it a vaccine, they had to make it seem like it was working. Mm-hmm. And so what did they do? You and I both know it used to be that the definition of a vaccine was a, a, a vaccine that's injected into people that creates immunity to a disease, meaning you can't catch it. Right. Now, in September of 2021, mm-hmm. they changed the definition to a vaccine gives you protection against disease. Mm-hmm. This is that bait and switch that Tony Fauci was doing the whole time, which is, yes, you will still get infected, but you will you'll lower your lower, symptoms yeah. to the disease. Do you realize what that just did? That just destroyed. And, and as we're going into court, and we have been right there mm-hmm. this whole time, they just made our job a lot easier, which was the argument has always been the reason we have a vaccine program is to create herd immunity, or Senator Richard Pan called no, it community immunity, yeah. meaning the vaccine protects you from getting infected. Therefore, that immune-suppressed child has a cocoon of people that can't be infected, so they can't carry it to that child. By changing the definition of a vaccine, they have ruined their ability in courts to ever say that again. Exactly. Say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just go to the CDC's website. Yeah. It doesn't create herd immunity. It doesn't create community protection. It only protects against your own symptoms. It's a private treatment now. It's not as vaccine. Yeah. So, so again, but- letting them call it a vaccine, they're eroding all. All the sudden, and this is how yeah. stupid they are. They make a change, like they fix their problem today, which is, oh, well, let's just rewrite the definition, making then, a long-term yeah. problem. Aaron, Siri, and I, and I can't are ready to sue their asses <laughs> off now. Yes. They just opened up the floodgates. They're in so much trouble yeah. now. They, we let them hang themselves. That's we it. Gave them the rope, and they used it. And, um, you know, another aspect of the definition change, there's still some weakness in terms of statutory law and definitions that it wasn't changed in all of those areas and levels. So there's fraud involved in promoting this as a vaccine, despite the changes. And some suits are going at it yep. on that basis as well. And also, you know, we're here in Utah. I want to do a shout out to our friends at the Health Independence Alliance who have done incredible work in Utah to try and uh, promote legislation at the state level yeah. to protect people's right to say, nope, don't want it. 
you can't stop me from working, going to school. If I don't get all of the discrimination stuff that have been brought up under the vaccine policy, the courts were very deferential to the vaccine and what it did and gave a lot of leeway. And they go back to Jacobson decision, Supreme Court. Now, if you go take it out and go back and no, wait, 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 this is gene altering therapy Mm -hmm. of some kind. Now it doesn't meet the definition. They'd like to get it partly in, but not fully. And so the law in Utah, they got passed in the last session last year was about genetic integrity, protection of genetic privacy. And they, in the way they wrote it was so beautiful, so craftily done that even the sponsor of the bill when asked, hey, will this stop us from forcing people or mandating the COVID type jabs? And he said, no, he really believed that it wasn't going to affect it because it was written so brilliantly based on previous legislation in the state that protected genetic privacy. And in that way, now there's a law set in stone, the governor even signed, that doesn't allow them to mandate the use of mRNA injection technology as a condition for work, school, etc. Correct. And and I don't know if you featured that on the high wire yet. I have not. I, I only found out about in. it yesterday because yeah, I was brilliant. at a meeting when yeah. I got here of everyone that was going to be speaking and, and the lawyers and things. But yeah. what is so brilliant about this, again, it's strategy, right? Mm-hmm. You, you could see how, and I see how rumors get started in our movement. Oh, they don't want us in the courtroom or whatever. In this situation, this bill was being written by people on our side, but nobody's saying that. They didn't say that to nope. the, 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 the people nope. bringing it. Yep. They're basically just saying, hey, you can't make my job dependent on taking a genetically altering product. Yes, Makes perfect exactly. sense. Everybody and to the like, doctor writing it and to everyone. And and by the way, the Democrats voted almost like, the, you know, like really came out for it mm-hmm. and gave their own speeches. But the people around it that had put it together said, don't bring the big anti-vax groups and the signs behind this. Mm-hmm. Don't get behind this just bill. Let it we want to just let spirits. it sort of slide yeah. in and we will use it later. I, I can't tell you how much I love that. There's a lot of the work that we do at ICANN that I don't even present to my audience. There are so many things. I'm working with universities and institutions to do studies. Let's talk about that <laughs> yeah. as we wrap up Very today's good. show. We're going to take another break here. An amazing hour, as always, we have with our friend Del Bigtree when we get together. It's so much fun. I hope you all enjoy it. Links are up as well to the High Wire and ICANN and everything in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. We'll be right back. Live around the world. The Robert Scott the Robert Bell, Bell Show. Bell show. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Remember the upcoming events at the Robert Scott Bell Show, upcoming events tab there is. Uh, we have the Health Freedom Expo next week. Are you going to be at the Chicago for that one this no, year? I no? don't think so. Is that Bummer. next week you said? It's, yeah, next week. I'm, I'm taking the week off, off next week. I'm, uh, I'm good getting, for you. I'm take my kids out of town and remind them what I look like. We'll so. miss you, but yes. no, God bless you for doing that. Yeah. we got to care for our families. This is a found weekend for me because we were both supposed to be also in Florida yeah. Yeah. and it got canceled or delayed till January. So this is so much fun because I didn't know I get to see Dell or anything. So we're having a great time here as well. But the Chicago event's big. I'm going to be in Pittsburgh the following weekend for Health Hut. They're doing a health and freedom event. Our friend, Dr. James Lyons Weiler, Dr. Jack, you know. Yeah, I pack amazing yeah, work they're great doing Great work there. they're doing. Yeah. We're going to be together hanging out and having a good time on Saturday. Saturday, the 22nd of October. Are you back in Salt Lake for the Red Pill Expo? Do you know? I am. Year? I'm going to be at okay. Red Pill this So this, we'll be this back time. together yeah, to that. 12th and 13th of November. Yeah, this will be a great event, too. Love yeah. Red Pill. And, and, and man, gee, Edward, I'm talking oh, about a guy that's God. been at this before all of us. I think, yeah. I think he predates Alex Jones. A living like legend. Like, go way yeah. back there. It's He's really a national, awesome. international treasure, G. Yeah. Edward Griffin. So we'll all be at redpillexpo.com. I'll get you there, Red Pill University. And I hope that you're planning to attend. They also have online watching, too. But we'd love to have you there locally. So as we're wrapping up in terms of 
uh, you know, some of the insight in the last segment you got is that you're not always privy to the strategy. And that's okay. Some of the things you just got to let percolate out there because there's an organic element of this. If it, if you pounce on it from our side of what we'd like to see happen, yeah. it'll immediately be halted. The attention you don't want. That's part of the strategy that the, what we'd call some of the bad guys out there. Maybe they believe what they're doing is right, but we kind of perceive it differently. They work in secret all of the time. It's nothing wrong with being private about things to achieve a strategy. That means conspiracy theories are real. People conspire all the time, but they're not all bad. Yeah. Some of the stuff that happens is amazing. You're like, oh, if I'd have known about that and I thought we'd have ruined it. So I I think that's the insight and the maturation, hopefully, of those that understand that there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes and that's okay. Yeah, I think. Well, and, you know, I loved I I'd interviewed Catherine Austin Fitz and brought up the conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And she said the world is based on conspiracies. It's, yeah. it's built by conspiracies. Every business is built by a conspiracy. You know, laws are passed by conspiracy. A yes, small group of people yeah. conspire to push something exactly. on the larger group. So she said, if you're not in a conspiracy, get in one. And so I, <laughs> exactly. I really I, I, it changed the way I sort of. Sure. Address that, but you know, yeah. I mean, the truth is, is with the high wire, we're we, we're so about transparent, showing all of our science. So I'm not, you know, we're really upfront with things. But when it comes to our strategy, and and we have had one from the beginning, we're we've been more successful than any nonprofit in courtrooms, mm-hmm. uh, in legally because we had a strategy that was different than everybody else that had come through the front door, yeah. fought, you know the lawsuits that are already lost before Aaron's series so brilliant there but we just keep trying to see how can we weave in and get to you know I always think of in many ways it's like watching Star Wars again right yeah there's one way into this Death Star we got to get into (laughs) the center of it right you know and it certainly isn't announcing that we're out here waiting for you and so so one of the things that's difficult you know fundraising for I can is we don't announce the the lawsuits that we're getting into most of the time because I don't want the judge to look in the paper that some anti-vaccine group, which is what they'll call us, has Aaron Siri going in to fight for this. Mostly what we present to our audience is when we want it, you know, and so that that makes it harder because it's always retrospectively. But I just want to give a shout out to all of those that do donate to the Informed Consent Action Network. Uh, You make the high wire possible. You made this huge win and all of the other lawsuits that we've won. And and really, and I was saying this last night in the VIP group and also about CHD, Mary Holland sort of seconded this. There's we've never done what we're doing right now with groups like I can because there's no winning money. Right. There's no money to be won in these cases. Right. These are cases where we basically are breaking the foundation inside the government. All they say is, geez, you caught us and we're building a quiver so that it's we can walk. Here, here's a billion right. dollars. For, here, for here, sorry for that. Right? Here's yeah. a million yeah. dollars. Yeah, and so yeah. you would never have a lawyer that would take on th- these cases. But because these nonprofits that we built and the supporters out there, mm-hmm. you allow us to go and sue and not need to win money, yeah. but to win artifacts right. and truths that we carry to our next lawsuits. Uh, that is something that they don't expect. In fact, this be safe. They push back for a whole year thinking we will make this so expensive we'll where I down, can. They can't do it. They'll yeah. just give up like yeah. a normal person yeah. would. We don't have to because you guys keep supporting mm-hmm. us. So it's not cheap. And we, we burn, we burn legal money because we're not going away. We are in your face calling every day until we get what we want. You make that possible. And no, no time before did we really have access to that type of law because the lawyers had to make money. Now yeah. we're able to fund, you know, the law and, firm we use through. And through we're your seeing support. these successes, some of which we got to talk about yeah. today with Dell, of course, that appears on the high wire. And grateful for your support here on this show and with all the things that we're doing that is really 
making a, a, the transformation you'd like to see actually happen. So you don't have to be a lawyer. If you've got any a little bit of an abundance and a little extra to support it, it's going for good cause. And we're seeing some transformation happen to prevent this from happening to other people moving down the road for your kids, your grandkids, etc. Del Bigtree, God bless you. Love you, my brother. God bless you. It's always good, good to work. see you. Right. Thank you for being here. And God bless you all. The power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.